This is Truth Matters Church, contending for the faith one verse at a time. Today we hear the last part of our examination of Jesus' great Olivet Discourse and how it applies to our study of Revelation. If you've not already heard parts one and two, be sure to check those out for full context of today's message or watch the accompanying video. And you can download the PDF slide deck for this study at our website, truthmatterschurch.org. Here is Pastor Alex Cantaroja. With that, are we ready to pick up now on the remaining epics? Our Lord says, For just as lightning comes from the east and even flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And then, time marker, the Son of Man will appear in the sun, uh, will appear in the sky. When we get to Mark 13 and Luke 21, this particular one is not mentioned as far as verse 27 and 28 goes. But I'm going to call this epic number 10, the sign of the Son of Man in the sky. So after the heavens are shaken, after God turns off the lights, the sun and moon is not going to give its light, there's going to be this great sign. Our Lord says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Does anyone want to venture to guess what that is? I'll give you a clue. It's, it's in verse 27. Lightning. Now I remember reading this originally saying, wow, lightning maybe is just speaking about the speed and how it just covers. I'm not saying that's not true. But he likens his coming. He says, for just as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. You know where that leads me? There's going to be something. When God turns off the lights, the sun is not going to shine and the moon will not give its light. There's going to be some display of lightning over there. When you think about when the Lord appeared on Mount Sinai to his people, there was thunder and lightning. In fact, <laughs> this is a pretty cool fact, what is believed to be Mount Sinai, like the top of the mountain is burnt or like different color from the rest. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. And I'm not neglecting when he compares, right? He goes, the sign of the Son of Man, it's not him yet. I'm coming. That leads me to believe that that lightning will be centered in and around Jerusalem or even on Mount Sinai. There's going to be some lightning that that's going to be the only light and it's going to be a scary one. And that epic is towards the end. I call that epic 10. The sign of the Son of Man in the sky. At this point, I'm going to say that the woman is about 9 to 10 centimeters dilated when this happens. You're pretty darn near ready to push, right? And I call this the interlude. I call this the interlude. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. I remember reading this, especially early on as a baby Christian and much of my time as a believer. I was like, oh, the gospel of the kingdom, the church. Well, we got to take this to the ends of the earth. That's what, that was the burning passion of the Apostle Paul, and the end of the earth at that time would be Rome and even Italy at that time. And I thought this prophecy, well, look, 
The gospel is preached through the whole world, even in tribes out in remote areas. I thought that this, originally that this prophecy was speaking about, well, this, this gospel message must first reach all people by the church. Well, let's see where that lands. Well, Mark also says it, the gospel must be free, preached to all nations, and Luke doesn't mention it. And I call this Epic 11, and you're on it, Jeremy. It's not the church. Remember, the church will be apostate when our Lord comes. And I've said this before, and the way God worked it out, so that he bound all to disobedience. When Christ came to the Jews first, that first century, they were apostate. And when our Lord comes at the end, and this is what we can learn from the prophetic undertones from the letters to the seven churches that they have left their first love, they will be apostate too. This one isn't that. The church is going to be crippled and maimed and won't even have the truth of the true gospel for the most part. How did, how did we get this? Because when we get to Revelation 14, it says an eternal gospel was preached by an angel in mid-heaven. An angel did this, not the church. I don't know how that's going to happen. But there's going to be some angel in mid-heaven and he's going to preach an eternal gospel to all nations. And then the end will come. Here, whenever that angel is preaching that message, see the arrow go up? The woman is 10 centimeters dilated at this point. She's ready to push. The baby's ready to come. And this epic obviously is right before his return. And are you ready for the final epic? Come back next week. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 I'm teasing. We're not going to go through all this to not get to the end. For this final piece, Matthew says, and then there's a time marker. All the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man. Now, this isn't the sign. They're going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Mark says the same thing. Luke says the same thing. So ladies and gentlemen, this is when, remember that, when the angel in mid-heaven preaches an eternal gospel to all nations, that woman is 10 centimeters dilated. When this happens, the Son of Man is coming, the baby is born. Christ has returned. And his return is likened to a woman giving birth. And in, this will make sense when we get to Revelation when he talks about a woman and she was in giving birth. And then he was taken up to, to heaven and then the dragon made war with the woman's children. Like, huh? Well, when you understand this, you will understand what's going on. This is when. He's coming. The baby is here. When we get to this final epic, Jesus is coming with the clouds. Our Lord Jesus is coming with the clouds of heaven and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. What happens after that? 
stay tuned. That one, you're going to have to stay tuned. But at this labor stage, the baby is born, and Jesus has revealed himself. This is the apocalypse. The book of Revelation is this unveiling. This is the unveiling when we get to this final epic that comes to pass. Okay, are you ready now? There still was 12, so we get to work with the clock. Because I didn't know how much I was going to end up with. Are you ready for our new and improved prophetic kind of clock? And I put time markers on these. Are you ready? Epic one, church tribulation. That began the first century until the end of the age. That clock has been ticking. Epic two, false Christs and false prophets. That clock has been ticking too since that first century to the end of the age. Epic three, Israeli wars, even beginning with their destruction in 70 AD, and then when they're finally gathered back to their land and established as a state, and yet they will still experience wars, which is true today. But that clock started ticking even from that first century. Epic four, Gentile wars. That happened, nation, you know, rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's going to happen from that first century up to the fall of Rome, then the, the succeeding countries and powers that follows, even to the end of the age. But we know that there's going to be a final world superpower that the prophet Daniel has foretold us about. But the Gentile wars will continue. Epic five, worldwide calamities. I don't think COVID's the last one. And whatever is in store, there will be more leading up until the very end. But there will be great earthquakes, famines, calamities. And that'll happen even to the end of the age. And when we get to the trumpets and even the bowls and the great earthquakes, there's going to be some pretty gnarly is the word I can use, earthquakes. I think the Chilean earthquake that we talked about, which was the greatest earthquake in, um, ever recorded, that's not going to, that'll be beat. Remember, these first five our Lord likens to the early pangs. The woman's probably around zero to three centimeters dilated. When we get to the bottom of this prophetic clock, Judaism's in full effect. And that's only towards the end of the age Acts relived, so sometime after their dead works, there's going to be some activity going on in the Middle East, and there's going to be some demonstration of signs and wonders. Behold, I warned you, I told you in advance, our Lord says. Don't go after them. Epic 8, Jerusalem's tribulation and their final war. And then the abomination of desolation is also set up. So from Epic 6, 7, and 8, this is the final period of the indignation concerning God's people, Israel. Finally, when they're destroyed, killed by the sword, taken captivity, then that is the final period of their punishment, of their indignation. Epic 9, great global tribulation. So after the tribulation of those days, our Lord said, after Jerusalem is destroyed and the people of Israel conquered for the final time, the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light and stars will fall from the sky and there's going to be mass deaths 
of epic proportions. And unless the Lord shortened the days for the sake of the elect, he shortened them because had he not done it, there would, no life would have been saved. And I'm going to say to us, Epic 10, the sign of the Son of Man in the sky. And I think it's going to be lightning on Mount Sinai. Epic 11, eternal gospel preached by an angel mid-heaven. I don't know how that's going to play out, but an angel is going to preach it and all the nations are going to hear it. And um, look at this imagery here. I kind of look at the angel as a midwife. So this woman is giving birth and it's as if the angel is there as the midwife and saying, okay, it's ready to push now. And then when we get to the final epic, Jesus is coming with the clouds of heaven and every eye will see him. And then following that, there will be this great trumpet and his angels will gather his elect as far as from one, uh, one part of the sky to the other part of the sky. So I would call this, if the chart was 1.0, this is 2.0. And if you want to check my work, please do. And if you want to know how did we get all this, make sense of this. It looks like code, doesn't it? So what I did was I took all three accounts and to make sure I didn't miss a verse, I have to write the verse numbers down and you'll see it's not even in sequential order. It's like a really, it was a puzzle that you needed to organize and put together to understand it. And if someone tries to interpret it straight as a narrative, you're not going to get it. But there's Matthew's, Mark's, and the numbers, Luke's, this being the cornerstone. And then I gave the descriptions, and I gave them epics, and then I even gave the labor stages. When we get to this one, we're at stage two, the baby's here. This one was probably 20 plus hours, and I put it on one sheet of paper or one slide for you. There it is. There we have it. Our new and improved chart depicting this great discourse. Hopefully that was insightful. And remember I told you in the beginning, as long as you just look at when our Lord gave this discourse, he's spanning from that 30 AD to the end. And you will see how all of these epics and seasons started back then and is continuing and will continue until the end. And then as far as the church tribulation, I think what's very insightful for us is right now, even now, we have believers on the other side of the world that are being killed. Right now, they're experiencing great tribulation. You're like, oh, it's not the great tribulation that my theology book said. If you're getting your head cut off, that's a pretty great tribulation. Whether you are getting killed now or whether you got killed at first century or anywhere in between. I'm kind of tipping my hand now when we get to the souls under the altar. And lo, these are they that came out of the great tribulation with our Lord's teaching and instruction. We know it's not limited to just a limited period of time towards the end of time. That's why they're impatient. Lord, how long? He goes, well, let's wait for the others. There's more that's going to have to be killed in the same way. But he put a robe on them. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that we went through this exercise because now when we get to the seals, I use this analogy, Jeremy, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and you say, what's better, one or two, one or two, one or two, one or two. That's what I've been doing this whole time. Okay, well, no, this is, okay, and now we're getting the optics clear. 
And now, even now how I look at the seal judgments because of this, as framing it, like, okay, I get it now. To some extent, I don't know it all, but I'm more familiar with it than ever before. And that takes us to where we last left off, Revelation chapter 6. So for our next study, we're going to summarize what we've covered and learned in chapter 6, and then we can finally pick up and continue on this wild and exhilarating journey together. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for listening today, and we do hope that this three-part study of Jesus' great Olivet Discourse was helpful in your personal study of Revelation and of Scripture as a whole. If you missed the first two parts of this series, they can be downloaded on Sermon Audio or our website, truthmatterschurch.org. And next time, we'll pick up in Revelation chapter 6 and the opening of the first seal. If you're enjoying this study, we'd like to invite you to tune into our studies live on Friday nights through our website, again, truthmatterschurch.org. Contending for the faith one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church.